In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. It's about 15 years or so ago, um, my family was living in Washington, D.C., and I can tell you that as um, in much the same way that going to law school bore precious little resemblance to the actual practice of law, then the same thing about seminary. What I learned in seminary taught me nothing about what I was supposed to actually be doing as a priest. So I didn't know what to do. I would sit in my office, I would rearrange my books multiple times, Um, I would read quite a bit, Um, I would try and pray, but mainly what I did was I hung out with uh, a friend of mine named Duke, Duke Kwan. Uh, He was down the street uh, at a a Presbyterian church uh, in Washington, and both of us were kind of fresh out of school or pretty close. He had been working a little bit longer than I have. And so I was a curate, he was a young associate pastor, and we um, just spent time trying to figure out what we were supposed to do with our days. I hope Duke is not watching this on TV. Um, But uh, once uh, about, I guess I'd been there about a year, um, Duke's church, which was Grace Presbyterian, was part of a series of churches that put on a symposium called the Loving Your Neighbor conference, or the Loving Your Neighbor uh, Symposium. And uh, so I went, because obviously I had nothing else to do. And I remember at that place, I met a remarkable man. His name was Bob Lupton. Bob Lupton was a community uh, developer. He was an entrepreneur. And back when he'd been serving in Vietnam, he had felt God calling him someday to work with inner city kids. So when he got back and built a life, he left a budding business career to work with delinquent youth. And he said that he and his wife, Peggy, their two children, sold their uh, suburban home and they moved into inner city Atlanta where they lived and served as neighbors among those who were in need. And his life work, by the time that I met him, his life's work some 40 years on was this long train of people He'd rebuilt or been part of rebuilding an urban neighborhood where families could flourish and children could grow into healthy adults. I still think about Bob. And here's the thing. Bob dramatically limited his options for the sake of people who did not know his name. Bob wedded himself and his family to them put himself in their circumstances with no no parachute, no back door, no way out. He made himself vulnerable and he became like them in order that he might love them and help them. That was Bob's story. I think about it almost every Christmas because every Christmas we reflect on the same passage, this passage from the beginning of John. It's the prologue. And if you read it, my favorite translation, Sally will like this, is from um, Eugene Peterson's translation called The Message. And here's what the first few verses of John's gospel, how it reads in Peterson's translation. The Word was first. The Word present to God. God present to the Word. The Word was God 
in readiness for God from day one. Everything was created through him. Nothing, not one thing came into being without him. What came into existence was life, and the life was light to live by. The light blazed out of the darkness. The darkness couldn't put it out. And then my favorite line, the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. The word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. You see, it's my contention that Bob Lupton and others like him are actually parables of Jesus. They tell us something about what Jesus looks like, and Jesus is a parable of God. Tells us something about what God looks like. And this, what we celebrate on Christmas is that God cut off his options, drastically limited his options for the sake of people who didn't know his name. That he wedded himself to us, put himself in our circumstances with no parachute, no back door, made himself vulnerable. In fact, as I heard Tim Keller say this week, he made himself killable and became like us in order that he might love us and help us. And here's the thing. Christmas can make us parables as well. Jesus said, as the Father sends me, so I send you. If, Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And following Jesus means that we follow him into the neighborhood. It means hanging out where Jesus hangs out, and he always hangs out with all the wrong people. The broken, the lost, the destitute, heretics, losers, and the least. One last point. Uh, Fleming Rutledge, you've heard me quote her a number of times. She's my, maybe my favorite preacher. Um, sometimes I call her the patron saint of Advent. But she says, Fleming says that you never preach a sermon that ends with the words, here's what we got to do. She says that the folks God is calling to do the work are already doing it. And in fact, the rest of us, God doesn't need us to do the work anyway. And we certainly don't need the guilt that we would heap on ourselves or that would be heaped on us if I said, this is what you have to do. So here is what I've found is kind of a compromise or a workaround. I want to do justice to the Bible and to Fleming. I think Christmas is a may. Christmas is a may. You may. You are invited to go out to the broken, to the least, the lost, the lonely, the left behind, the heretics, the losers. When I met Bob Upton 15 years ago, honestly, it had never occurred to me that it was even possible to do what he did. But you can, we can. Christmas is a May, an invitation to move into the neighborhood following Jesus. Because Jesus moved into our neighborhood first. Think about that. And happy Christmas. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.